Hello and welcome to the Jesuit Border Podcast. This podcast explores the humanitarian response along the U.S.-Mexico border from a Catholic perspective. My name is Brian Strasberger. And I'm Joe Noya. We're with Del Camino Jesuit Border Ministries located in the Diocese of Brownsville, Texas. This podcast aims to humanize a migrant experience by sharing stories from our ministry and highlighting some of the amazing work that people are doing along the border and throughout the country. The Jesuit Border Podcast is edited and produced by the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the U.S. and hosted by the Jesuit Post. Let's begin. Vamos! In this episode, we're going to talk about carrying each other. We will be interviewing Flavio Bravo, who is a Jesuit priest and member of the team here at Del Camino Jesuit Border Ministries. Flavio joined our community in December of 2022, so he's been here for about a year now. He brings so many gifts to our community and to our ministry, and he has a particularly strong link to the migrants we accompany since he himself came to the U.S. as a migrant, fleeing the violence in his home country of Nicaragua in the 1980s and coming to the U.S. alone as a teenager. As you can already tell, Flavio has a fascinating story, which he'll share in our interview, along with reflecting on our ministry with migrants. It's a great interview and a great way for us to wrap up season five of the podcast. So stay tuned for that coming up next. We are thrilled to welcome to this week's episode, Flavio Bravo, Jesuit priest and member of the team here at Del Camino Jesuit Border Ministries, and best of all, a community member of ours. Welcome to the show, Flavio. Thank you. It's really a a joy, and um, I feel privileged uh, to be part of this. I kind of look forward to uh, continue our conversation because I don't think this is this is maybe one episode, but. I live with you all it's an everyday sharing of stories and sharing of our ministry so that's uh, right so thank you for inviting me to be part of the sharing and the uh, conversation it's Great. just a normal conversation with uh, sound equipment and <laughs> in like a different place in the studio <laughs> yeah. we usually are sitting across uh, the table eating dinner, or that's right. Maybe uh, right in the the van. That's uh, right across across the valley. So, yeah. So it's always a a great joy to be part of the the team. I really feel uh, very much blessed to be part of the team. That's great. Maybe as a first question, just to kind of get things started here, you could uh, share with our listeners a little bit about your background as a Jesuit priest, uh, the, pl- the places you've worked and what it was that brought you here to the Valley in, in particular. Well, um, it's almost a year since I came to the Valley. Um, I joined uh, the team, uh, Louis and, and Brian, last December 7th, my official date arriving to the Valley. Um, prior to that, I was in Puerto Rico for seven years. I, I served as the uh, superior in Puerto Rico with the Jesuits um, and different ministries that we have in Puerto Rico, the schools, the parish. Um, so uh, 
great opportunities as a Jesuit. Prior to that, I was in Houston, uh, where I also served as superior at the high school, uh, straight Jesuit, um, teaching, doing pastoral ministry, which is something that I always enjoyed. Um, so uh, that's what brought me here. Um, I would say obedience, but I don't want to say I don't want to I don't want to sound it as obedience as something that is uh, uh, commanded uh, and me not wanting to do this. Um, I think the provincial uh, Father Green uh, Tom speak no spoke to me and he said you know we should be uh, sending you to a new place. Uh, I want a soft landing, and I'm, I'm quoting him there. Uh, I want a soft landing for you. And so it makes sense uh, with this new ministry along the border with you, Brian and, and Louis, uh, sort of start thinking um, and moving forward with what we know now as Del Camino Jesuit Border Ministries. So it's exciting to be part of the something new. Sometimes our ministry kind of gets like um, talked about as being a a social ministry, and it is. But man, like the pastoral aspect of it is is also very much front and center. And you were kind of saying that you kind of have this like this like pastoral. It's kind of like your wheelhouse, you know. Like, and I, and I I definitely feel that you know, like watching you, like like. like Pumarejo and, and the shelters, like like you, there's you are very much a a pastoral minister, and so you know, kind of asking this as like a as a rookie Jesuit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I. What are some of the like main like takeaways for you? As like all right, like pastoral takeaways, you know, this is me selfishly asking, you know, like. What should a rookie Jesuit know about being pastoral, especially in a context like this, you know, here on the border? Well, uh, I'm going to – every time I think about our ministry as being pastoral, and I would say it's one of my um, inspiration, um, has always been um, Monsignor Romero, Oscar Arnulfo Romero, uh, and I and I said this um, when he said the people of God, el pueblo del Salvador, uh, is mi pastor. You know, when I, uh, I go back to that, the Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing else I want. And I think Bishop Romero understood his role as being the shepherd of a nation and a people that was suffering um, the dictatorship. Um, and he took on the role of being shepherd by the people. Uh, the people of God led him along the way, uh, which led him to the martyrdom and led him to give his life completely. So um, I always keep that in my heart because I would say um, whenever we go to the shelters, whenever we go to Pumarejo or along the river here in Matamoros or in Reynosa, Casa de Migrantes, Sendados, um, I always pray that, that the Lord is my shepherd. It's not my agenda. It's not our agenda. Um, um, the journey is marked by the people that we serve. Uh, 
and the people that we walk with. So I, I always try to remember that, that uh, the story of Sime, uh, El Pueblo, El Pueblo del Salvador, the Salvadorian people, uh, became the shepherd to Monsignor Romero. I think uh, the people that we serve, the migrants and the families that we visit, uh, are our shepherds. And, and they lead us along the way and they tell us about those uh, places where there is darkness, but there is also uh, places of comfort and green pastures uh, of sharing stories of um, trust and prayer. When we pray with them, I always, when I, whenever we bless them, I always think about um, we are providing green pastures and healing. So it brings healings to me. It brings healings to them. I think you're just doing so many things right. <laughs> you know, basically, I think of like, because like, I remember this one day, you know, at a, at the shelter, um, that, uh, you know, you couldn't be there that day, you know? Yeah. I think, I think we're in Houston for or something like that. And, um, this is the one in Matamoros and Pumarejo. And one of the, uh, the, the migrants there told me that you do things like with love, that you do some things that, you know, that other people are doing, but like, but you do it like with, with love. And I think that that, you know, is, um. I think if the people, if the people are sensing that, oh man, you gotta be doing something right, big time. And it's also, I mean, going back to our own, um, and I think I see that. I mean, I'm, I think we we feed off each other. Uh, I I find that, uh, you know, seeing Brian uh, when when you play with the kids, I I I get jealous and envious <laughs> because not 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 jealous of of the kids attention it's just i wish i had the energy and the creativity that you have and you are i mean you're incredibly good with children um and and i think that's cura personalis as we speak you know jesuit language you know the care for the people and the way you care for the children when you become you know uh, one of them, uh, you know, and, and Louis, the same thing, you know, when Louis was here, uh, just the opportunity to learn from you as you encounter and let the children be, you know, playful and joyful and silly and put them on your shoulder. Like, you know, last, you know, poor Joe always gets uh the child that has poop, the dirty diaper, <laughs> the dirty, dirty diaper around his neck. And, and if it's not dirty, it, it will become dirty. It's like <laughs> they get so excited, they just have to evacuate their bladders exactly, onto exactly. me. <laughs> You know, in and for you, Joe, now that you're part of the team, you know the way you you're very intentional. I find that that's also uh, the intentionality of being. And I think this we do things with love, we do things with because we care for the people, uh, but because we are intentional about being with children, being with pregnant women, and their uh, anxiety about uh, not having the health care that they need, and maybe we are we are that window for them, that hope for them, uh, or being with the Haitians 
the way you both have uh, made a point that you want to learn Creole. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's going the extra mile, and and it's very edifying for me as a form Jesuit. Right, you are in formation still, but I I find myself uh, very much. Uh, sustained by the way you do uh, what you do with love and care for the children, for the women, for all the migrants. So it's um, something that I that I take seriously into my heart and in my prayer. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's beautiful to work with one another so closely. I think that's not even necessarily the norm among most Jesuits. They might work at a school or a parish or whatever and have a lot of other coworkers and colleagues, maybe none of whom are Jesuits, or there might be other Jesuits who work there but work in a different office or whatever. So it, it is a, a very real characteristic of our ministry here that we are side by side, just about every single day uh, in the ministry. And so we see each other at work and we collaborate with each other very closely and we have to always be in touch about about things related to that too, but we also get to see the gifts of one another on display in in the midst of kind of the ministry situations. And obviously you bring so much to the table yourself and your pastoral presence. Another thing that I wonder if you could share about is your own personal background, which I think is so unique in the way it connects you to migrant experiences because you yourself are a migrant. So I don't know if you could share with our listeners a little bit about your own migrants, <laughs> a migrant story and how that impacts the way that you approach and minister to migrants here. I do feel that uh, being myself a migrant has uh, given me the opportunity to uh, connect with this, the experience although it's a very different experience, I migrated to the United States in, in the 80s. And, and I did it, you know, by myself. I crossed the border uh, in Tijuana into San Diego on a motorcycle uh, with a coyote, with a pollero. Again, no papers. Uh, back in the 85, 86, uh, it's a very different story. And I'm not going to go into the whole story there. But I did. I did, I did come to this country without papers. I was um, a minor, you know, I was 16, uh, 17. So um, I was blessed to uh, to have a brother uh, to that welcomed me in Miami. And that's the one, that's how I started working uh, as a carpenter. That was my first job. Um, well, actually, my first job was standing in the corner selling flowers. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yes. Wow. My brother... Uh, would try to make meats and 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 uh, so he will go buy flowers and we went to the corners and so whenever I see vendors in the streets I always think of the very first time I I came to the Miami uh, I remember standing in a corner in a tra- at a traffic light with flowers and selling flowers and. And I was not very successful, <laughs> but I, but I mean that's something that I I, I has shaped me. Um, my my own vocation story. Um, when I joined the Jesuits in 1993, um, it was uh, it was a very different moment in my life, and um, and I remember saying I joined the Jesuits because I want to be a missionary. I want to I want to be able to. Um, share my own experience of, of a migrant and work with the refugees. That, that was my 
um, I would say my my desire uh, to explore the Jesuits was maybe I, one day I could do this uh, full-time ministry. Uh, but I didn't. I, I actually was um, assigned in my formation to, to be at a high school. So high school ministry became a very powerful uh, instrument in the society for me to teach me and to uh, form me uh, into the person that I am today. So, but I always wanted to be, you know, end up finally uh, uh, doing this ministry. In in your year of ministry here on the border, Flavio, you've accompanied a lot of people. Uh, I wonder if there's a story in particular, a person in particular that you really hold and carry their story in your heart that you'd like to share with our listeners. Well, it's going to be a little hard. We obviously uh, have so many stories. The most recent one that I that I mentioned, and it has to do more with two members of the LGBTQ community and their struggles at the shelters and how accompanying their, their suffering, accompanying their fear of being uh, discriminated against. Uh, I mean, it's almost like a triple whammy, right? I mean, they're migrants. They don't have... Uh, papers, they don't have uh, shelter, but they're also from communities that are uh, have experienced discrimination. And so, how do we, as a church, you know, as a as a Jesuit, as a priest, how am I able to walk along the way uh, and support them? Um, and, and this may be a little too graphic for the whole thing, but it's, I mean, this this. Uh, gentleman was, uh, you know, uh, kidnapped and forced to do things that are uh, just because he was uh, a member of the LGBT community, you know, he was forced to do things to pay for his uh, freedom uh, from kidnapping. And um, no one has to go through that, uh, to be humiliated. So, sorry, it makes me cry because no one has to be humiliated um, to feel uh, dignity, you know, uh, to experience dignity. So, when this gentleman was sharing that with me, I just felt like, you know, what am I supposed to do? You know, how am I supposed to provide a sense of support uh, for this man? whose um, dignity has been, you know, trampled upon. Um, and all he wanted, all he wants is to, you know, protect himself and be a support to his family uh, because he's also a family man. So um, that happened to a man, but also happens to so many women that have been kidnapped too, you know, and the way they, uh, sometimes the kidnappers uh, um, take advantage of the vulnerability. And and every time I hear that, it touches on my own vulnerability and how, how I can as a church member, as a member of the Society of Jesus, as a priest, uh, how can I, uh, uphold them. And so when I place my hands on their heads, I want them to feel um, that they are protected, uh, that no one is going to uh, 
humiliate them anymore. Um, so um, those are the stories that um, I carry with me um, because I feel that that's what they need. They need hands that uh, protect them, people that would embrace them with uh, a sense of solidarity and 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 just provide a listening heart. Uh, so um, I don't know. I think that's that's where um, those are those are the stories that I carry with me. And and um, I'm sorry, this is <laughs> a little raw, but uh, and it may seem unprocessed, but I think is it's. Um, it is something that I bring to prayer every day. Uh, it is something that I, uh, the, the faces, the names, and the stories that I have to bring to prayer. Um, because if I don't, um, you know, I, I think I'll be, I'll be lost, will be lost. So I, I know uh, every time we pray at the, the Eucharist, um, I see the faces and I see their I see their stories, um, and um, um, it's it's really a powerful experience to to bring them home with me. So in my own private personal prayer, I I I hold them, you know, and and bless them. And you you kind of have to carry them. I mean, it it's, it sucks in a way, and yet it's also a privilege to be able to carry. Those stories, because if you don't, I mean, like you got two options: either you carry the story, you carry that burden, or you lay it down aside. And man, that second option that just doesn't sit right. So you can't just like let that aside after this person's, you know, place themselves openly before you, sharing you really the most like intimate parts. Of their story, and then in this giving you access to the to the such core experiences, and and like I feel like like the only way to honor that is to to carry it, to to let it to let yourself feel, you know, a a piece of the weight that they feel, you know. And yeah, we could <laughs> we could we could go on about those for sure. Um, one of the things that gives me a kind of hope, you know, that is, is yeah, I think of healing, you know, and some say that like time heals things. I don't think that's true at all. I think it's coincidental, you know, like perspective heals things, and perspective often comes with time. And I hope for this moment of when we are all, everything is kind of put in its proper perspective. Like that's kind of like an image of heaven, you know, where all things are, you, you see all everything in its proper place, you know, and, and you are the, you are confirmed in like your belief and 
and in, in, in your trust in God's providence and God's goodness and power and wisdom. So a question that I ask all of our guests, <laughs> you know, and, and, and even though we totally live and work together, you are still technically our guest on this casting of pods. <laughs> so, yeah. so I will ask, I will ask this to you. Um, is there an image of heaven or a way of thinking about heaven that especially speaks to you? Um, we just recently uh, celebrated uh, the Day of the Dead and, you know, the Feast of All Saints. Um, you know, I can see Jaden's little face uh, and lighten up every time we get to Casa de Migrante and he wants to be picked up um, and put on our shoulders, carry on our shoulders. Um, I think... Um, Heaven is it's that it's the saints, the the children, um, the little Haitian girl that we, I don't remember her name right uh -huh. now. That always call oh yeah oh yeah oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and just uh, was so excited to see us uh, every time we visited. Um, so I think heaven is like that when when they just. Um, when we will see the the faces of of these men and women that's uh, uh, that have walked with us with me, and and they'll recognize me and they'll call me by name, you know, and I'll be called by name. I will be called by my name, and um, and I will be embraced by them, and they are the ones that are going to be putting me on their shoulders. Um, they are the ones that are putting me on their shoulders right now. Um, they are the ones sustaining me and lifting me up. Um, and even though we may, we may think that we're the ones who bring the heaven to them, I think they bring heaven to me um, and they make it very tangible. Um, they, they lift me up and they put me on their shoulders. And um, so that's the image of heaven that I get, I can, I can get. The, the, what I love about that image of heaven is it kind of talks to us about how heaven isn't only this place we'll go to one day. Like there's a part of heaven that we experience here, you know, that that there is something that that seeing gazing upon the face of Christ isn't something that comes just at the beatific vision at the end, end, end of our life. It's also something that we see every time we walk into a migrant shelter and see the face of Christ right in front of us, right? And it is so true that we, I mean, we are beyond thinking about ourselves as some sort of savior that's walking into these places and 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 giving only. I mean, we receive so much from this ministry. We are so carried as well. We carry stories and people carry our stories and people carry us in our ministry. Uh, and I think that that's an important image and an important foundation of what we do and who we are and how we do it that I think is so essential. Um you know, what, what do you think in a particular way informs our ministry in, in your mind in terms of us being people of faith, uh, us being members of the Society of Jesus, being Catholic priests in particular? Like in what way does that, you know, distinctly mark uh, our ministry in your, in your perspective? 
Again, going back to the the central part of uh, of what we do, uh, the Eucharist, the celebration of the sacraments, I think is what grounds us um, in and makes the difference in 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 accompanying the migrants, offering the sacraments, uh, listening. Uh, to confessions, uh, even the sacramentals, uh, you know, blessing of the holy water uh, that they look forward to, you know, um, the rosaries that we give them, they may seem uh, as just pious uh, things um, that may have no connection. But uh, um, I always uh, believe that their, their, their faith is so connected um, to um, the God that is real. Um, and so when we give them the rosary, it makes the connections to the rosary that they pray with their mothers um, or their grandmothers uh, when they were children. When we bless them with holy water, it connects them with, uh, with the, the trust that somehow God is uh, tangible and, and pours his grace on them. Uh, through this. So um, I just think that what we do, uh, I, the way we celebrate the Eucharist, the way we uh, bring Christ in, a, in, in at the Eucharistic table, <coughs> and the way we pray with them, with the sacramentals, uh, it's very unique uh, and, and necessary for our mission. Uh, um, I, I, I don't know much about uh, legal yeah. <laughs> immigration law, um, but I do know a lot about uh, praying with them and 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 sharing with uh, these families uh, moments of silence, moments of grace, moments of total holiness. Uh, so, and I think it's essential to to our ministry, and I hope we never change that. I hope we. I hope uh, uh, in the long run, you know, for those who would come after us, uh, I really hope that uh, we continue to do uh, the celebration of the Eucharist, the breaking of the bread, the sharing of the one cup, uh, because without that, um, I think we would not have, I would, it would have no meaning. Uh, it has the meaning that it has right now because I think we, we are grounded in the Eucharist and in the sacramental life. At the end of the day, you know, we're not, we're not an NGO, you know? It's kind of like we're, we're there as, as Jesuits, as Catholic ministers. And that's, that's that primary identity that we have. And so we work from that and to, to do something that, it's just something that you talk about constantly um, that you remind us about is the, uh, the, the appeal that, you know, Pope Francis makes that migrants need a lot more than just the material help. They need that spiritual nourishment, that spiritual accompaniment that requires a pastoral approach. And, and that's, and that's at also, your heart. And what they bring so I, I asked to think, you know, sometimes we have this pastoral uh, plans, right, with the, the, or strategic plans for evangelization, and which I believe that we, yes, we're all, uh, you know, uh, 
missionaries and we need to preach the gospel, but we also have to uh, be able to receive the gospel that these migrants have and proclaim to us. And I think that's that uh, I wish, you know, more and more of us could uh, listen to the gospel that they, they bring, uh, the good news that they bring, because they do bring good news. Uh, it may not be in the language that we're familiar with. It may not be, you know, with all the uh, order or, you know, fancy stuff that we may want them to have. But I, I really believe that that's where the connection is, you know, this encountering of of the people that are coming to our borders, uh, they come in with, uh, they're coming with a wealth, a treasure of the good news. And it's, it's the pearl that we need to uh, discover is, is the reverence that we need to show them um, as they lay down their gift because they bring gifts uh, to us. So it's not something that we teach. I think it's, it's something that we also need to learn from them. We've talked about a lot of very heavy topics, which is very typical of our conversations at our ministry and relevant. <laughs> but we also laugh a lot, right? And we also do really silly things. And so yes. I wonder if you, you, if you too, just since we got us all sitting around here, uh, you know, one of the delightful things that uh, you guys kind of started this year uh, when Joe joined the community is the secret ingredient. I wonder if you could share with our listeners what the secret ingredient is. <laughs> the secret ingredient. Well, I think we are, uh, I think the three of us, uh, Brian and Joseph and I, love to f love to eat. I think we, we're very good with food. We got a, uh, a real gift for it. That's right. Yeah, we, we love to eat. I've been eating for a while. <laughs> no, but food is something that we, we share. And I think uh, one of the things that I love about our community is our uh, opportunity to cook for each other. I, I found that Joseph is its a great person to play this game with, and that is the mystery ingredient. So every time I cook, he gives me a, a mystery ingredient uh, that I must use in the cooking. And every time he cooks, I will provide him with uh, a mystery ingredient so he can in integrate in uh, in the cooking. And you, Brian, That's right. have become our, our person that makes the decision and says, oh, this this nice covers, cover what is. That's right. You're what the is detective. <laughs> Solving the mystery. <laughs> and, and I find that that's also a, a way of being playful, uh, but it's also, uh, you know, it just adds uh, depth to our conversation and looking forward to to the mystery ingredient. Joseph uh, always sort of comes up with uh, fascinating ingredients, and um, and and so I, I I love trying to integrate that in in our cooking and our food. That's right, and we do have a vibrant and meaningful community life, which is really a gift and blessing to all of us. And hopefully sharing some of this has been a gift to our listeners as well. So we just want to thank you once again, Flavio, for being such a great example to us and member of our community, and also for joining us for this season finale of the podcast. Thank you for inviting me into, uh, um, into the conversations. Uh, and thank you for uh, praying with me and walking with me uh, along the way uh, on this beautiful ministry that we do together thank you 
Well, that wraps up our episode for this week. We're grateful to Flavio Bravo for joining us on this season finale. Well, Joe, it's hard to believe, but you've made it through your first season of the podcast. Indeed. How do you feel about it? I am just now starting to learn just how much I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a caster of pods. That's yes, not, you are. Well, I By mean, definition, you are. I don't know that anyone calls themselves casters of pods, but you are a podcaster because you've done an entire season of a podcast. You're not wrong. That, that, that is definitely true. Now, I'm not going to say if you look up podcaster in the dictionary, it's going to be a picture of you, but that doesn't mean you don't fit the definition. No, no, no. This is, uh, again... It's a face for podcasting. <laughs> you don't want my face in the dictionary. <laughs> you got a great face for radio, Joe. <laughs> As they say. Remember to subscribe to this podcast to hear more about the U.S.-Mexico border from a Catholic perspective. You can visit our website at delcamino.org. If you're curious about Jesuit life or know someone who is, visit beajesuit.org to learn more about a religious vocation to the Society of Jesus. This podcast is edited and produced by the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the U.S. and hosted by the Jesuit Post. We'll see you next season on the Jesuit Order Podcast. Que Dios los bendiga. Thank you.